Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Boys and girls, and welcome to FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. Yes, breaking ground as we do the first installment uh, ever of uh, a little bit of sports gambling for you on the podcast side at the FCS level, which you do not get. Ryan Tutel here, along with Colton Nuanez and uh, our esteemed producer, David Graff, also going to be uh, trying to keep us on track and directing us and doing all the great research for us here. We appreciate having you here. Uh, there's a couple things that we want to get to in terms of kind of the structure of this thing and what what it's going to be about and uh, and kind of how we're going to go through it uh, both in this episode and in subsequent episodes uh, on the weekly. Um, but we this is obviously a, uh, a betting podcast. We're going to go over lines, over-unders, spreads, records against the spreads, histories. Uh, primarily, we will lock in on the Big Sky Conference significantly because that's Coulter's and my area of expertise, but we certainly we will uh, be talking about many big games outside of the uh, Big Sky Conference as well just for the uh, for the nation at the FCS level. Uh, but also, even if you are not a sports gambler, uh, we hope that this can be uh, entertaining and insightful because I've always felt that the lines on games, Coulter, were a great way to sort of access the football side of it, and we're certainly going to talk football just this time explicitly through the lens of the sports book end of things. And I find that uh, really interesting, and hopefully uh, people will find that interesting as, as well. And so, you know, whether you are a gamer or not, uh, as it were, uh, I hope we've got some things in here for you that'll, that, that that you'll find interesting. Uh, if you got teams in the big sky or in the FCS at large that, that you like or just like this level of football with, uh, you know, a real honest-to-goodness tournament and all that. And. It'll be interesting to see initially the accuracy of the lines or, or if we feel as a, so people that cover the Big Sky Conference, if the lines are accurate, if that accuracy increases with the increased prevalence of sports gambling. The legalization of sports gambling in Montana, I think, is a very interesting thing because... Which is still being outworked right now. I mean, you totally. still can't bet games 
in the in the, with the, with the passing of the new law for that law, yeah, you can bet other games in other ways, but but not through the new Montana legislation. Ironically, Montana is the state with the lowest population of any of the Big Sky Conference schools, the states that they reside in. Right. Yet the highest population of people that could potentially bet on Big Sky Conference games almost certainly resides in Montana, right? Yeah. I mean, the majority of people that care so passionately you're talking about, about MCS football yeah, yeah. and care about the Big Sky, most of them are going to be in Montana. I don't right. think you're going to – I mean, you might find a smattering of Eastern Washington fans that are really – Looking for FCS lines. Yeah, you'd get some in Idaho too, right? Some Idaho, 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 State. Idaho State. But even there's Boise and. But like, I don't think there's a ton of Weber State fans out there that are clamoring to bet on the Big Sky. But maybe there is, and so hopefully we reach those people. Sure. And if hopefully maybe we can help spark interest for people across the Big Sky Conference, just yeah. in, just in the league, in the way it is. And I'm I'm so interested to see how these lines progress and if they become more accurate because it wasn't long ago when there wasn't really even lines on Big Sky games except for maybe a couple of the bigger games each week. So the fact that that has even evolved is interesting in itself. Well, and I think that – so we were debating on how to kind of go about this, but it's I guess it's worth mentioning. So the lines that we're going to use are from Five Dimes, which is an online sports book, but Coulter, to your point – Unlike FBS games or NFL games and stuff like that, where there's a bunch of bookmakers doing a bunch of lines, and there's sort of you you might almost say like peer review of the lines that are out. You know, you, you you could have I mean you can get different numbers at different books in Vegas, right? I mean you can you can try and help yourself by a half point or something like that. But by and large, when that stuff comes out, it's all pretty close to one another, and there's a ton of effort and research and. Uh, history and uh, all, all kinds of things that go into the creation of those lines, and the and the folks that do it are on it. Also, an influence of money, though. There's people always talk about when there's late money or when there's more money on this totally. team. And I think that that's going to be one thing that's so going to be interesting to me is like we're going to get into some of these lines in the Big Sky this week, but I think some of them are just wrong. Well, and this is this is the exact point because I think you and I are in in a in a good spot to be able to cr- critique the line itself, you know, as opposed right. to just picking favorites because again, how much, you know, how much information even is there to create the line some certainly and there's work being done to do those, but it's just not at the same uh level, you know, when it comes to the FBS and the NFL and all the other games that are maybe, you know, have more action put on them. And that's the ironic part about this is that the lines for FBS versus Big Sky games this year I thought were incredibly accurate. They were, they yeah. were really on point, and that's because of the research that is done for the FBS. Exactly, game. exactly. But then uh, you look at a game like Portland State, Idaho State, Idaho State minus four in Pocatello. Hold on. I will get into it, but I'm just saying like I just don't think there's I don't think there's nearly the level of research right. that is done by on Portland State and Idaho State. Totally. Two teams that played a combined three division two schools. It is just not the level of detail yes. when preparing the lines. Uh, uh, well said. Good word. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we are going to go through, both in this episode and, and future episodes, uh, we have the FCS Top 25 in terms of rankings. We also have their results against the spread on the year and some of the over-under, or all the over-under results as well. We're not going to go through these things exhaustively. It's not uh, that's, that's not good podcasting. That's not good to listen to right at home but uh, or wherever you are. I get it. It's mobile. It's a mobile format. Uh, but 
the uh, I think there are some teams in here that are certainly worth noting and and worth pointing out. And then we will also go through specifically some Big Sky stuff. So one thing, one reason we wanted to do this is there really isn't any information about lines, about sports gaming at the FCS level. It doesn't really exist. So hopefully we can provide just uh, some some numbers for you as a matter of information. And also, you know, especially with the Big Sky stuff, Colty, you've been covering the Big Sky if you're new to uh, to Tutel and Nuanas and what we're about uh, on the radio side of things, just finding us on the podcast here and stuff. Coulter has covered the Big Sky Conference for 13 years. I've been at this five or six years. We're both from uh, Montana and both grew up in the FCS and specifically the Big Sky sort of arena, and so uh, we do have you know a working knowledge and culture, an expert on uh, on the Big Sky Conference at large, and so hopefully uh, some of that stuff comes to bear, and we can uh, we can have a little bit of fun. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about the top twenty-five culture at the FCS level. Roll through the okay. I'll I'll pause your okay. You go over there and cough it out. Okay. Do you feel better? Yes, you good? You ready great. to go? Okay. Now we will begin. All right, the top 25 we got here. The top 10 looks like this. Uh, North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, UC Davis, Weber State, Kennesaw State, Montana State up to seven, uh, Villanova, Northern Iowa, and Towson. Okay, so there's your top 10 right now. The the way I, I got a vote in the top in the stats FCS yeah. poll, and the only differences I had, I had one through five exactly the same. I got Montana State at six, Northern Iowa at seven, Towson at eight, Jacksonville State at 9, Maine at 10. The difference there is that I got Kennesaw State ranked all the way down at number 21. Kennesaw State is 3-1 and one this year, the one loss being to an FBS school, but their wins are all over either NAI or Division II schools, and they play another NAI this week. They just have a really soft schedule, and that's going to continue when they get into Big South play as well. So Kennesaw State's been good. This is the first year... They've been good since they instituted their football program. They were a right. brand new football program. This is year five, though, so this is the first year where the cycle comes full circle. I'm still not all in all the owls. Um, as far as record goes, there's only three teams in the top 25 that are undefeated. That's North Dakota State at 4-0. Villanova, surprisingly, up there at 4-0. They were 18 last week. They're the biggest mover in terms of moving up uh, into uh, the top 10. And then uh, Youngstown State and uh, everybody's favorite prickly pear, Bull Polini, uh, running things for the Penguins. 3-0 and are the uh, 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 Youngstown State football team. And they are, by the way, uh, Villanova and Youngstown State – both undefeated against the spread as well. How about that? Not only have they won every game, but they have uh, covered either whether they were underdogs and upset or whether they 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 covered the spread. So uh, pretty good thus far. Early returns for uh, both Villanova and uh, Youngstown that way. I mean, I would honestly say that Villanova has the most impressive resume of any team in the FCS at this exact moment. They played that Week Zero game in the FCS kickoff against Colgate. Right. If you remember correctly, Colgate was the number eight seed in the playoffs last year. They did lose a lot, but Villanova just—I mean, they owned that game. I mean, they—they yeah. were—they were in full control from the outset. They win 34-14. The following week, they play Lehigh. Lehigh, another rebuilding team, but that's been a perennial playoff qualifier out of the Patriot League the last handful of years. And Villanova. No trouble there, 38-10. Then they play a Bucknell team that they're certainly supposed to beat. They win 45-10, but then probably the win of the year in terms of FCS, FCS crossover opponents, Villanova taking down Towson. Towson had climbed to number five in the rankings, and Villanova knocked them off 52-45 last week. That was probably the win of the week. Villanova was the FCS stats 
National Team of the Week, which is a new sort of fun recognition that mm. Craig Haley has been passing out. He's the senior writer at FCS Stats and, and a guy I'm sure we'll probably have on Two Tell Nuanas or maybe even this podcast at some point. Their resume is impressive, and it's even more impressive because they are in one of those rare situations where a head coach that's a longtime guy retired. So Villanova's surging right now. Um Against the spread, uh, the teams that have done the best beyond Villanova and Youngstown State who are undefeated, James Madison, the number 2 team in the nation, they're 3-0-1 against the spread, so undefeated with one push in their Weber State, even though they're 1-2 on the season, are 3-0 against the spread. The Wildcats there in uh, in Ogden. And then also Furman. How about Furman at 3-0-1 against the spread? The only team, and this is actually not a surprise, that has put up a goose egg against the spread, Eastern Washington. Yeah. Eastern Washington, 1-3, and three, very bad to start here. That lost at Idaho, horrific this last week, and uh, they lose at Jacksonville State, which is not necessarily a bad loss, but it is if you're a top-five team or think you are. Uh, but the fact that they have yet to even cover a spread is uh, maybe not a surprise given the way that they've played, and uh, Aaron Best Club is uh, mm, teetering. The moment they're, they're teetering on it for sure. I, I voted them out of my top twenty-five this week. I did not put Eastern in the top twenty-five. They got to get a Division One win to so get back in there. In the Big Sky Conference, uh, there are only two teams that are three and one, uh, and that's the best record. So everybody's got a loss, and, and especially with that extra week, Coulter, every almost everybody in the FCS is playing at least one, if not two, FBS games. Uh, Montana, Montana State, though the two Montana schools. Best records in the Big Sky Conference at three and one. Again, Montana State at number seven in this week's stats poll. Montana up to number eighteen uh, after their respective wins over teams that they were supposed to beat and did handily last week. However, Montana they only won by twenty, thus did not cover the number right. uh, last week uh, against uh, Monmouth. Montana State mm, they did cover it up with what four hundred and sixty yards rushing for or four hundred forty nine yards rushing, third most in program history uh, for the Bobcats last week in their win over Norfolk State. So the Bobcats three and one against the spread uh, on the season. The under they've they've got one under on a, on a game that has had an over under placed on. There's only been one. Uh, and I presume that was the Texas Tech game. Montana, two and two on the over under, two overs, two under. So eh, not much to read into that yet. Uh, the Vandals, Northern Iowa, Port, uh, Northern Arizona, Portland State, Sacramento State, and UC Davis, all two and two uh, on in terms of their record. But Sac State, give it to them. Sacramento State, the Hornets, three and zero against the spread on this season. As is Weber State, as we mentioned. Idaho State also in two games that has had a number on it. They are undefeated against the spread, two and zero as well. Sacramento State, to me, one of the surprises, maybe not a surprise, but certainly one of the teams to look out for of this season. Guess what Sacramento State has? Plus four turnover margin. Best in the Big Sky Conference and yep. one of the tops in the nation. Sacramento State last year, I think people that don't follow them in-depthly, which is almost no one because they're so hard to follow, may have not realized what's happened at Sac State the last couple of years. Basically, they had a great year two years ago. They went seven and four. Right. They were sort of off the Big Sky radar because they didn't play Montana, Montana State, or Eastern Washington, which a lot of pundits would say, well, that's why you went 7-4. and four. But still, 7-4 and four is a good mark, and it's an outstanding mark if you're Sacramento State. It's one of the great seasons you've had since moving to the Big Sky Conference. Coming out of that year, all sorts of crazy internal infighting. 35-plus players leave the program at some point or another. Jody Sears goes from a guy who signs a huge contract extension to on the hot seat in less than a year. And then Kevin Thompson, the star quarterback, gets hurt. Andre Lindsay, the star receiver, gets hurt. Darren Choates and 
George Obina, their all-league defensive lineman, get hurt. Manoa Pearson, their inside linebacker, gets hurt. Dre Terrell, their best defensive back, gets hurt. All your star players are hurt. Now a lot of those guys are back. Obina got granted a sixth year. So did Kevin Thompson. So did Choates. So you have multiple dudes now back in the saddle. And Jody Sears out, Troy Taylor in. That's the most intriguing hire in the Big Sky to me because Troy Taylor is an offensive mastermind, to be sure. How does he then maybe utilize the talent that Sac State has always at their disposal? The one or no win teams of the Big Sky Conference right now, uh, Cal Poly, Idaho State, and Weber State are all one and two. Eastern Washington and Southern Utah are one and three. And Northern Colorado, the only winless team in the Big Sky Conference at 0 and 4. Uh, Weber State, even though they're one and two, their two losses, very good, good losses, quote unquote good losses to step up teams. They're a really good team with a freaking relentless defense. I have no idea if they're going to be able to score a point at any time this year. Uh, I would say take the under when you got Weber State. By the way, they're 1-2 and two, uh, over under, 1 over, 2 under uh, against that number. Uh, Weber State, great defensively and also doesn't score. It's going to make for some low-scoring football games. Okay, there's a fair bit of information on two Big Sky Conference schools in Sacramento State and Weber State, but let's run through quickly, Coulter. I'm going to give you the other 11 schools. You give me a short synopsis just on on each one as we roll through, okay? Northern Colorado, 0-4. Urs Collins is the winningest coach in school history, and that doesn't mean much. They've had a hard time since transitioning to the Division II level. Southern Utah, 1-3 on the record, 1-3 against the spread. Similar situation, Southern Utah won multiple Big Sky Conference championships under Ed Lamb and with Ed Lamb's players. Really hard time getting it back on track. Since then, they've been feast or famine. They've either had the best defense in the Big Sky or the worst defense in the Big Sky. Nothing in between since joining the league in 2012. There's always a surprise good team in the Big Sky Conference, and there's always a surprise bad team. I don't know if they're bad, but they're certainly not as good as we thought they were, at least early Eastern Washington. 1-3 uh, on their record and 0-3 against the spread. Third year under Aaron Best, and it's a prove-it year because he won at a high level with Bo Baldwin's players, including going to the national championship game a year ago. The thing you got to know about Eastern Washington, they will always be able to score points. It is quarterback U. Their last seven quarterbacks have earned at least one Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year award. Eric Berrier could be that next guy if he can get it back on track. Eric Berrier, even on a team that's 1-3, leading the FCS, leading the country in terms of passing yards, 1,392 yards already in this season, but only resulted in one win. Weber State, a team that's only 1-2, but their record is, or their, their, they've played a very tough schedule. They are a very good football team, great defensive team, and undefeated against the spread, 3-0. I think Weber State's probably the best team to bet on in the Big Sky Conference because Jay Hill will almost always figure out a way to cover the spread because Weber State plays defense and they score points on special teams. Jay Hill, the best coach in the Big Sky Conference. Idaho State, 1-2. They're 2-0 against the spread. Uh, Rob Fennessy in his second year, kind of an enigma right now. Lost to an FBS school, lost to a ranked Northern Iowa team, win but was a struggle, and they didn't cover against Western Colorado, which is a D2 team I'd never even heard of. Yeah, Idaho State has had uphill sledding for many, many, many years, and they're going to be a tough school to be to pick for uh, throughout this season as well. Cal Poly, running the triple option, the Mustangs, Tim Walsh, 1-2, and two, uh, record 1-2 and two against the spread. I think Cal Poly's bad bets almost always because they can cover with the triple option, but if you turn the ball over – in the triple option, all of a sudden games can get away from you and you can get absolutely blown out. So I just think that the point spreads are a little bit skewed when you're talking about Cal Poly. UC Davis, the number four team in the nation. Uh, Montana's opponent this week, they're 2-2, two and two, both against the spread and in their record. Probably the, the highest pedigree of a head coach in the Big Sky Conference in Dan Hawkins. Probably the best quarterback in the Big Sky Conference in Jake Mayer, who's a senior, the reigning Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year. 
probably the best offensive system in the Big Sky Conference under the best offensive coordinator in Tim Plow. UC Davis can be expected to score points all the time, so keep an eye on the over-under. Portland State, our guy Bruce Barnum over there getting it done with his Dots pretzels. Portland State 2-2 two and two, uh, on the season, 1-1 one and one against the spread. Have not played a like opponent yet. They played up and down. Played an SEC school in Arkansas, played a traditional Western power in Boise State, played a D2 school in Simon Fraser, played an NAIA school in Eastern Oregon. They're the mystery of the league, but as we know, Portland State is always flush with talent because they can recruit to the city, which then always makes them competitive when they have big games like against Montana, Montana State, or FBS schools. Northern Arizona, the most veteran and uh, really an outstanding quarterback in Case Cookus. They're 2-2 two and two overall and 2-1 and one against the spread. The thing to remember about Northern Arizona is just the, the home field advantage they have, not because of the fans that they draw, but because of where it's located. Incredibly difficult to get to Flagstaff. You have to take a bus three hours north from Phoenix, but it's also 7,200 feet, highest campus in the United States of America, with the exception, I think, of Laramie uh, University of Wyoming. Only two schools, though, with over 7,000 feet, and that's a definitive advantage. Then you talk about playing in the weird walk-up Sky Dome. Weird things happen in Flagstaff always. Remember yes. that when you're betting your lines for <laughs> NAU. Uh, Case Cook is, by the way, number two in the nation behind Eric Berrier in terms of passing yards, 1377 on the season. Idaho, 2-2. Two and two. They're 2-1 and one against the spread, uh, dropping down to the FCS level two years ago. Paul Petrino, the head coach there, um, mixed reviews, and that's actually good news for Idaho because the reviews were all bad, and then they go out and they beat Eastern Washington last week. They're in a state of limbo because after being the first team to ever drop down from the FBS, they still have a bunch of guys that committed to them to play FBS football. That will go by the wayside, and I actually think Idaho has a chance to get better when they don't have FBS players because they won't have disgruntled FBS players. But to me, you look at last week, they have guys that can go win you a game right. against, against the reigning yeah. league champs. So... Idaho, especially at home, I think is a really tough team to to. It might scare bet they might scare betters away just because of that dynamic. And the last two schools that we haven't focused on the ones in our home state, Montana, the Mo- Montana State Bobcats, three and one. Uh, they're only lost to Texas Tech. They took care of business uh, after that. They're also three and one against the spread. Bobcats in their fourth year under Jeff Choate, who's been all over the country, one of the most revered special teams and D-line coaches in the country. We look at the Bobcats roster, the defense is stout, five FBS players on that defense, uh, tr- FBS transfers, that is. And then also, though, the quarterback situation remains a mystery, so the Bobcats might be somebody you want to stay away from until they at least solidify the guy under center. And the University of Montana, also 3-1, and one, their record 2-2 two and two against the spread. Don Sneed, an FBS transfer formerly of UNLV, great quarterback, one of the most explosive dual threat guys in the country. Bobby Houck, a veteran coach who won 80 games his first time around at the University of Montana, now back for his second stint at his alma mater. And the Grizz, their top-level players are as good as anybody in the country. Sammy Akem is an FBS-level talent at wide receiver. Dante Olson, probably the best inside linebacker in the entire country and could probably play any school in the country as well. So Montana, their top-end talent as good as anybody in the Big Sky. There you go, rundown uh, of the Big Sky Conference, uh, just quickly there to give you a, a, a little bit of an overview. I want there's some numbers that I think we can touch on that that'll that are interesting to look at. We talked about some of the quarterbacks and their passing yards and the, and so forth. One thing that's really worth noting at this level of football, the non-conference schedules, regardless of the conference, you know whether it's the Missouri Valley, the Big Sky, or the SoCon, whatever it is, 
are taken with a grain of salt because there are so many teams that are playing up to an FBS opponent to get a payday. Uh, you you know all the teams get a gate, and so there's a lot of teams that schedule one. And in a season where there's actually an additional game, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, two FBS games, and that, some schools like Portland State and Idaho State schedule two FBS games even when they only have three non-conference. Right, because games. they need it to make their budget so they can keep having the sport. Last week when. Idaho State played Northern Iowa. It was Idaho State's first non-conference game against an FBS or an FCS opponent, excuse me, since 2007. Think of that. They have never played an FCS opponent in 12 years in the non-conference. Well, the thing the thing that's just worth noting is a lot of these numbers, uh, you know, when you talk about Weber State, they they're averaging 16.3 points per game. We don't think they have a good offense, but is it that anemic? Well, probably not. I mean, they played up, they played San Diego State, they played Nevada, and uh, you know, they they have that the same thing for instance, with with UC Davis, UC Davis probably has the best offense in the Big Sky Conference. They scored what was it, thirteen points against Cal, right? And Cal is all of a sudden, by the way, in the top twenty-five in the nation uh, after their upset of of Washington. So that's a really good football team. So the point is, is that these numbers get thrown out of whack because teams play up and then also play down. They'll play down, and you know Montana hangs up what sixty-seven points, sixty-two points, or whatever it is on North Alabama, even though that's another FCS team. It's a it's a, a effectively a mid-major right. conference uh, and a transition team at the FCS level. So sometimes, you know, especially now, it's in-conference play where you want to start to track some of the stats yep. and they start to become a little more, I don't know, accurate and representative of the team that you got. Some of it's so stylistic in coach preference, too, because like you said, Weber State has played two FBS opponents, but also dead last in the Big Sky Conference in almost every statistical category each of the last two years. Guess who's won the last two Big Sky Conference championships? Weaver State. Weaver State. So they, the offensive numbers are irrelevant to the right. way that they want to play football. We look at some of these other numbers. I think that, you know, like Montana averaging 35 and a half a game so far. Like you said, swollen a little bit because of a 61-point outing against North Alabama, but also shrank a little bit because of a three-point outing against Oregon. Right, so that kind number, of meet in the middle, right? So that number is probably a little bit more accurate. When it, like a team like UC Davis, like you said, Gus, 27 points per game. Well, they scored 13 against Cal. They scored 16 against North Dakota State. This is a team that scored 40 points or more in nine straight games a year ago. They're good for 40 almost any time out. Then you look at a team like Southern Utah, who's averaging 22.3 points per game. Well, they've been getting whipped in the first half of every game, and they've, they've been able to then – to pad the scoring and get into the 20s late, but I don't think that's indicative of their offense being anywhere close to solid. You look at a team like Northern Colorado, 10.3 points per game, dead last in the FCS. Well, you lay a goose egg against Sac State. You only played four games. Yeah. That's impactful on what you got to do. You look at the the defensive numbers, though, 16.3 points per game for Weber State. That's the real deal. They held two FBS teams to a combined 25 points per game. Right. No touchdowns for San Diego State. One touchdown for Nevada. That's impressive. Sacramento State played both Fresno State and Arizona State. They're still only giving up 18 points per game. They do have the shutout over Northern Colorado, but they also held an explosive Arizona State team to 19. So that's a, a real number as well. And Portland State playing back-to-back or two straight FBS opponents as well, even though they did get a chance to pat it by only giving up seven to Simon Fraser, only giving up seven to Eastern Oregon. Still, they only gave up 20 to Arkansas. So that, that's a number that maybe is a little bit more real too. But it's a good point for people that want – more real numbers, you can go to BigSkyConf.com, and as soon as conference play starts, there's a conference-only statistical highlighter you can use. 
It'll give you just conference-only stats. And I think judging these teams based on when they're playing like opponents is a lot better when you're picking your over-unders and, and other things like that. No doubt. Uh, the one th- the one number that I would like to look at that I do think can be representative at this time is turnovers. Sacramento State and Montana State leading the charge, plus four, both of those teams in the turn- turnover differential. Obviously, we know how big turnovers are to winning games and also to covering. Uh, and uh, you want teams that are in the, in the positive in that, and those two lead the way. On the downside, Northern Colorado, not surprisingly, Idaho State also minus four. And nationwide, how about Maine? They're the number, th- what, 13 team in the nation? Minus six for Maine. Now, they got a great defense, and and you know they were uh, in the uh, national semifinal last year uh, at the FCS level, losing to Eastern Washington, but beat Weber State uh, the in the quarterfinals before that. Really good football team, but you can't be rolling out there minus six and uh, expect to be kind of sticking around the long haul. They'll have to get that corrected. It's time. Let's pick some games against the spread. We start with Idaho at Northern Colorado. Again, two teams that we don't think are probably very good. Idaho, though, certainly a more talented team in terms of guys on the field. And coming off that big win over Eastern Washington, maybe that sparks something for the Vandals. Idaho, a 9.5-point road favorite, uh, minus 380 on the money line uh, for the Idaho Vandals. The over-under on this game, 49 uh, the total. But 9.5-point favorites over Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado's bad, bud. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. And even though I am the last person who's going to be a believer in Idaho, when I look at this game, I'm sitting here going, I, I don't know how Northern Colorado does anything really against anyone. I guess if they were going to, maybe it would be Idaho if Idaho decides they're going to go out and have a bad day and play in front of nobody in, in Greeley, Colorado. I think the other thing that people got to understand twofold about the Big Sky Conference is, one, the difficulty of the travel to get to a place like Greeley. It's very rare that most schools can take a charter directly into Greeley. Even Greeley having an airport, they can take a charter flight. What do you find to Denver? Find to Colorado fly Springs? Find to Denver, and then you have to bus up. So that's just—it's yeah. an extra cog. People say, "Okay, well, everybody drives an hour, hour and a half all the time." It's just different when you're trying to corral 150 people onto three different buses, make sure the luggage is all there. You got to get there on time. You got to make the bus on time. Travel is a bear for sure in the Big Sky Conference. The other thing I think people need to understand is that there is multiple schools at the FCS level that if they sign a coach to a long-term contract, that contract is going to fill it's it's going to play out. They don't have the money to buy it out. So Ernest Collins Jr., who's been in Northern Colorado now, this is his eighth season. He had back-to-back winning seasons, the first two winning seasons in Northern Colorado's Division I history. He signed a five-year deal after the second one. Well, now they're into the third year of that five-year deal. It gets to be a really precarious situation when you have a coach who's a lame-duck coach who you can't fire. Right. You just have I mean, to kind of ride it like out. Ernest and I think, Collins, but I mean, it's it's. I love it's not good. I love Ernest Collins, yeah. but the, it's just a bad situation when you when you're disjointed and there's apathy surrounding your program. The thing is. Everybody in the league has talent. Northern Colorado is no different. They do have talent. They're just so disjointed on defense. They can't ever figure out how to operate. They have a great quarterback in Jacob Nip, but that doesn't get them really anywhere. I expect, you know, Idaho, it seemed, played with a lot less pressure after Paul Petrino officially named Mason Petrino the starter at quarterback. His son, a controversial decision, but for the second year in a row, Mason Petrino's the guy. But he then went out and threw two touchdowns and ran for another one against Eastern Washington, and Idaho looked really, really good in the first half of that game. So 
This game here, I just can't ever bring myself to put any money on the Bears until they prove something. They have not done anything. They're last in the country in scoring, and they're not playing well on defense either. So Idaho minus 9.5, I think that's an easy pick. It's probably the only time that I would probably side with the Vandals on on this, but uh, it's this is this is this is not a good football game, uh, and uh, but Idaho should certainly win the game. I mean, this would be this would be as awful a loss as as good a win it was last week. I mean, we'd completely undo that if that was to happen for Idaho. Uh, on the over under forty nine, I mean, again, pretty tenuous. Northern Colorado scoring no points even with Jacob Nip at quarterback. Idaho likes to control the ball too. I think you take the under on this yeah. because their whole strategy is to sit on the clock. They want to get to third and short. That's what they want. And they want then Mason Petrino to run his little quarterback waggle, his little quarterback rollout, and hit that five-yard pass on third and three and get another first down. It's what they do to everybody. They nickel and dime them. That's how they got so far out in front of Eastern. They held the ball for 21 minutes in the first half, almost 22 minutes in the first half. So I expect them to do that again. So I think it's a pretty safe pick to pick the under. Portland State at Idaho State. The Vikings are a uh, four-point road dog at Idaho State. Last year, Portland uh, it was at Portland State. Idaho State won it by three in a shootout. That was one of the great games of the season, man, that Idaho State-Portland State game last year, 48-45, uh, the final of that in favor of the Bengals. Again, Idaho State at home this year. Coach Barnum's old, you know, home team that he yeah, used Bruce to coach Barnum at Idaho State. Barnum was the offensive State. coordinator there for seven years, 2000 to 2006. So, in any case, Portland State has looked, to me, really good. I mean, better than what I thought they were going to be in the non-conference schedule. They are within a touchdown of Arkansas playing an SEC school. They pound the two teams that they're supposed to be. They lost pretty handily at the hands of Boise State, but that's maybe not that big a surprise. But they got a couple of – they actually have a two pretty good quarterbacks, and like you said, never a lack of talent. Idaho State, they have one Guller remaining, but not two. The Guller brothers, uh, wide receiver, quarterback combo, um, but now uh, uh, the – uh, the elder has uh, been has graduated, and so I don't know exactly what Idaho State is. I do like Rob Fennessy there. I think he's a good fit right now uh, at Idaho State and and trying to build that program. I think this is a pretty even game, and I think the minus four. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to think about this number. Well, Idaho State made a quarterback change going into the Northern Iowa game. They pulled Matt Struck and they. Replaced him with Gunnar Amos. You mentioned the Guller brothers. Tanner Guller was their quarterback a year ago, and he was really he really helped them be really explosive on offense. They still have two of the best playmakers in the league in Mitch Guller and Mikey Dean. They still have one of the best running backs in the league in Ty Flanagan. Their offensive line struggled. Center Dalen Collins has had really bad snapping issues, which is so bizarre for a guy who's a three-year starter. It's, one like, of the it's best. like a pitcher getting the yips and putting it into the net, right? Right, and, and when you want to run a lot of the shotgun stuff that they do, it's tough. Idaho State, conversely, though, has been way better on defense than I think people expect. Um, but I think that Portland State actually has, with the exception of Montana State, the best defensive front in the conference. Mm. I think they'll be able to control a line of scrimmage and make Idaho State one-dimensional. And if that's the case, then with a starting quarterback who's making only his second start in Gunnar Amos, I, I just think that that's a, I think that's a bad line. I think that Portland State should be the favorite in that game. So I would pick the Vikings to cover. I would pick the Vikings outright. I like I like Portland State in, in this game against the number as well. The over-under is 47. I mean, last year, 48-45. But that may be a bit of an anomaly. And like you said, I mean, Portland's front seven, a new quarterback for Idaho State. Certainly don't expect 90 points to be scored in this football game. But 47, that's not a huge number. And the Big Sky Conference is a relatively high-scoring conference. Yeah, no doubt. And to me, the advantages that Portland State have are along the defensive front, that defensive front features multiple 
uh, standout players like Anthony Del Toro and Tsumisi Kofe and Anthony Bartlett. Those three guys are all all league type talents. And then you talk about Romeo Gunt, the guy who's the key to that flex defense. The other that's the other factor. The flex defense is so confusing for any quarterback, veteran quarterbacks let alone a guy who's making only a second career start in Gunnar Amos. So I, I just think that Portland State uh, is definitely the favorite in that game. And in terms of the over-under, I'd take the under because I think that Idaho State's nowhere close to as explosive as they were offensively a year ago. And Portland State, if they can get you in their grasp, they're going to really want to pound the rock and maybe keep the score down themselves. I like everything you said. I just think this number is a low number. I mean, 47 is not a ton of points in a, in a college football game. It is, game. that's true. And so I, I would take the over on this. Uh, but we both like Portland against the, num- against the spread. Uh, okay, Cal Poly at Southern Utah. Southern Utah, not a good football team. Uh, Cal Poly, eh, always hard to deal with Cal Poly because of their uh, triple option. They they lose Joe Prothrow, who's one of the great running backs in the history of the conference, honestly, and certainly in the history of Cal Poly. And so how do they replace that? Uh, Southern Utah lost to Cal Poly 38-24 last year. This game, though, in Cedar City, Utah, home game for the Thunderbirds, and a very small number on this. Southern Utah is, in fact, a favorite in this game, one-and-a-half point favorite. Cal Poly is such an anomaly, too, because they win basically a rivalry game in their opener against against San Diego. They lose to Weaver State, but Jay Hill has always had the magic to stop the triple option, so it's not a surprise. The magic is giant linemen. (laughs) That's the magic. Yeah, but I mean, Jay Hill has been as creative as to take... Two years ago, Jay Hill took his all-conference fullback, Corey Thompson, and put him at free safety and had him run the alley, and the guy had 20-plus tackles in his one and only game playing defense. defense He basically was just like, hey, you tackle Joe Prothrow, and he did it over and over and over again. It was a great defensive game plan, Uh, but then Cal Poly played Oregon State last week, so uh, an FBS Pac-12 team, so hard to decipher all that. You mentioned the turnover they've gone through. No more Joe Pro throw. They don't have that brand name guy, but their first three games, they've actually thrown the ball way more than they usually do. They've still only thrown it 12 times per game, but that's still way more than they that's usually about do. about 11 times more and, than right, normal. Right, and Jalen Hamler was the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Week in Week 1. He threw three touchdowns in that San Diego game. He's thrown four touchdowns already. He's thrown for 175 yards a game, which again, for an offense that usually averages close to 400 yards a game rushing, throw for 175, keep the defense on your toes. J.J. Koski is their best playmaker. He's the receiver. So I think that factor then uh, gives them a little bit more of an element of surprise. Southern Utah, you mentioned the big linemen like Weber had. Southern Utah had that for so long, they haven't been able to recapture it. Southern Utah's defense the last couple of years have just been getting gashed. They're, just, they're, they're not assignment sound. They're having a tough time. So I, I just think that Cal Poly is the definitive favorite in this game, even if the Thunderbirds are a slight favorite on the line. But tell me this about Southern Utah, because they're scoring 48 points a ge- or 42.8 points per game coming into this. No, that's what they're giving up. Oh. Yeah. Let me rewind just a little bit. I got to get the right sheet in front of me. Cool. Yeah, no. You know, it's the first podcast, man. You got to give me, <laughs> you gotta give me a little bit of slack. Yes, giving up 42.8, uh, Colder, scoring only 22.3. And that's why uh, – so I'm, first of all, 100% with you on this. I mean, this feels like Cal Poly all day long to be a road underdog against a bad football team. The over-under, the biggest number uh, of the weekend in the Big Sky Conference, 67 points. Uh, they're, they are uh, a banking on a bad defense showing up, at least for the Thunderbirds, and maybe going both ways. But 67, that's now that's quite a bit. Uh, what do you expect out of this game uh, in terms of the over-under? Well, that's the thing is both these teams run defensive schemes that are sort of feast or famine. 
you saw this happen at Montana State several years ago where if you run the scheme that it's very similar to what Montana State used to run, if if you have a premier pass rusher, a premier will linebacker, a premier cover corner, and a premier safety, which Southern Utah did when they won the Big Sky Championship, and then LaShawn Sims, James Kowser, and Miles Killebrew all get drafted, then you can run it at an elite level. When you don't have the dudes, you're getting gashed. If you look at what Calipoli does on defense, they won, they run a bunch of what you call fire in the hole. So they do a bunch of line twists. Okay, it's all good when you're playing a traditional style offense or a single back offense, a West Coast offense. When you play a gap scheme run based offense like Southern, or excuse me, like Montana State, or in this case, Southern Utah, you have a chance to get gashed too. So I think both these defenses have really struggled the last couple of years, giving up big plays. And I expect that once again, I would not be surprised. Even when Southern Utah was super good on defense a couple of years back, these two teams got into shootouts more often than not. So I would not be surprised if that over number was surpassed. A couple of games uh, before we get to the school, the Montana school games, uh, but uh, a couple of games that are uh, Big Sky Conference teams that are not Big Sky Conference football games. The first one between Weber State and Northern Iowa. This is the last of the Big Sky Missouri Valley Challenge. Uh, if you're not familiar, every year uh, the Big Sky Conference and the Missouri Valley are probably the two premier football conferences at the FCS level, the Missouri Valley being the premier and the Big Sky uh, second to that. But they play games in the non-conference against each other, and there's sort of a running tally of, of wins versus losses. I don't know what we're at, by the way, on that this year. We'll find that out. But uh, this will be the last game of that series for this season, Weber State playing Northern Iowa. This will be the third Big Sky team that Northern Iowa will have faced this year, uh, but Northern Iowa uh, winning the first two games against uh, Northern Colorado and I think Southern Utah were the other two for UNI. So this will definitely be the stiffest test for Northern Iowa. This game is in Ogden, and Weber State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Northern Iowa in this game. Missouri Valley has won six of the nine matchups so far this year against the Big Sky Conference, so Weber State has a chance to get the fourth win for the Big Sky. This is definitely an interesting one because Northern Iowa's had a couple different tune-ups, and I I always think it's very intriguing when teams play non-conference games multiple against another league because you can analyze the film in multiple ways, too. You can watch Southern Utah and Weaver State play each other because you know you're going to play both of them. You can watch Idaho State and Southern Utah play each other. Idaho State, Weaver State, whatever combo you want. So Northern Iowa is bound to have a pretty good plan, especially because they are well-coached, veteran coach in Mark Farley. Uh, But Weaver State is going to be hungry for that victory because Weaver State has played so well with just the one win over Cal Poly, which is a non-conference win over a conference team. They don't have that sort of signature out of conference win yet, and that's their national elite team with a number five overall ranking. So, uh, but I do think this will be a defensive slugfest. I think the over under of thirty five is pretty darn pretty accurate, right, yeah. And I think a, a one and a half point favorite for Weber State. I think that's pretty darn good too. Yeah, I would probably take Weber State to cover just because I think Weber State's going to win, and to win you basically would almost certainly have to cover, but. That's a tough game. That's one of the toughest games on the slate this week. It is. Uh, certainly a low-scoring close game is what we both expect. By the way, both these teams tied for 12th in scoring defense. Exactly 16.3 points per game is what these two teams have allowed. And so expect a low-scoring football game when it is Weber State and uh, Northern Iowa on Saturday. 
Uh, Colter, the last game that we got to talk about here before we get into Montana, Montana State, is Eastern Washington coming off an awful loss to Idaho last week. They host North Dakota. We did not talk about North Dakota, but North Dakota uh, was formerly a member of the Big Sky Conference, uh, and they are migrating. They're moving to the Missouri Valley, uh, but they have not become Missouri Valley members yet because the scheduling is so far in advance, so they are playing a full Big Sky schedule. It is not a Big Sky Conference game for North Dakota. In fact, North Dakota is in no conference as of right now. Right. But, but they it, are still it, eligible for the FCS playoffs. They're, oh, they're certainly eligible for the playoffs, and they would be just sort of an independent making it if they were to do that. But they're playing a full Big Sky schedule, and it is a conference game for the Big Sky teams that play them. So this is Eastern Washington's first conference game. It's at home for uh, for the Eagles in Cheney, and they are eight-and-a-half-point favorites over North Dakota, and they got to do something to stop the bleeding because they dropped drastically in the stats polls uh, last week after that loss to uh, Idaho. They, they're one and three on the season. They're 0-3 against the spread, and it's not looking good right now, even though Eric Berrier is leading the country in passing yards. North Dakota, even though they're not in the big sky, if they were to win enough games to become playoff eligible and then become a playoff qualifier, it would essentially be like they were from the big sky because they will take a big sky playoff spot, certainly, because to get to that level, that many wins, they will have won against big sky teams, presumably other big sky conference contenders as well. So even though they are an independent if they did make the playoffs, they would steal a spot from the Big Sky Conference almost certainly. That said, Eastern Washington last year scored 57 points against Southern Utah last year in Eric Berry's first start. His second start against Weaver State, smothered. Eastern Washington didn't score a touchdown for the first time in over a decade. They only scored six points in a 14-6 loss. That was quintessential Weaver State and so atypical for Eastern Washington. That result, though, sparked Eastern Washington, and Barrier came out the next week and went nuts, and then he went nuts for two months straight. He had seven-game streak where he was looking like, honestly, the best offensive weapon in the entire country. And so I expect Eastern Washington to bounce back in a big way after the disappointing loss to Idaho. I think they'll have a new fire, and I think that with North Dakota transitioning to the Missouri Valley, they've already started recruiting like Missouri Valley schools, which means not as high a priority on defensive backs on the perimeter. Eastern's going to have an advantage on the perimeter all day. I don't know enough about North Dakota to have a feel for them at all. I mean, obviously I've watched North Dakota play several times, but I I just don't know where they're at right now. They feel very much like they are in limbo and in no man's land. They are number 25 in this week's poll, in the coaches' poll. My issue is that I think Eastern Washington, I said this from the very beginning, Eastern Washington is not going to be as good this year as they were last year. I didn't foresee anything like a loss at Idaho coming to Eastern Washington. And we heard Bruce Barnum say, well, maybe they were starting to read their clippings a little bit, you know, talking they were a top five team in the country coming into it, the defending, you know, national runner up and so forth, with Eric Berrier obviously returning. I do think they bounce back. I think they win this game. I think they have to win this game. Eight and a half points is, you know, again, it's not the biggest number ever when you're talking about college football, but it's still a significant number and I think North Dakota is, you know, again, I think they're they're okay. They're a good football team. This one is all about the matchup, you know, and you're talking about, you know, having an advantage on the outside. It's bad to have Eastern Washington with an advantage on the outside because they always have one. But if, you, if they have one that's particular to you, that's kind of bad news. Um, so, I mean, I guess I side with Eastern on, on this one, but I, I am tenuous with the Eagles in, in every respect right now. From a straight-up schematics perspective, North Dakota runs a 3-4 defense where they blitz all the time. They blitz at a higher percentage than anybody in the country. That's an invitation for a guy like Eric Berry. If you let him get outside the pocket, he's going to kill you. If you keep him inside the pocket like Idaho did, like Washington did, 
uh, like Jacksonville State did. Now all of a sudden you are able to mitigate a lot of what Eastern does on offense. But to me, North Dakota is going to be big, strong, tough, and physical like they always are. Not going to have nearly the athleticism to match up with Eastern Washington. I think Eastern is going to make a statement in this game and, and, and cover the spread easily. Over under 63. Over because I think Eastern is going to have rack a, up some an offensive explosion. I mean, here's the thing. After the last two weeks of results, if Aaron Best can score 50, he's going to go score 50 at North Dakota. Let's go into the Montana schools, Coulter. Montana State, uh, their conference home opener as they host Northern Arizona. Chris Ball in his first year as the head coach of the Lumberjacks, but Case Cook is in his sixth season as quarterback. He was an All-American, preseason All-American, has been injured a couple of different times, like season-ending type of injuries, yep. his uh, collarbone. Uh, and so it's been a struggle for him, but when he's right, and he has been right, he's very good. He's currently the number six uh, passer in the country, uh, uh, excuse me, number two passer in the country at 1,377 yards behind Eric Berrier. So still a fierce offense, not changing a lot offensively, even with a new coach in there after Jerome Sowers, the longest tenured coach in the Big Sky, moved on. Northern Arizona uh, is is a team that you and I have talked about as being uh, kind of a, a an open book, a little bit of a mystery of what they're going to be with a new head coach, but with the old quarterback and a very talented quarterback. But Montana State, very, very good. Number seven team in the nation, a absolutely swarming defense, an outstanding run game, and just major question marks at quarterback as Tucker Rovig stepped in, got his first start of the season last week after Casey Bauman had been named the starter, and uh, Tucker Rovig getting a run against Norfolk State had a very good day, but you should have a good day when the opponent is Norfolk State and your team runs for the third most yards they've ever had you know, in, in, in school history. Uh, still 21-27 to 27, I think it was for Tucker Rovig, and it sounds very much like even though it hasn't been announced, if you read between the lines, he will be the starter in this Northern Arizona game for the Bobcats. So that is very open as to what this offense is going to be like, what it's going to be able to do with him sitting back there. If he has a good day, Montana State can be explosive offensively. If he starts giving the ball over to the Lumberjacks, uh, it could get weird in a hurry in Bozeman. Where are you at on this one? Oh, by the way, uh, I will uh, I will give you the number because that's what we're doing here. I mean, it is the FCS Speculators Betting po- Podcast after all. You know, you should know what in the world's going on. Montana State Bobcats are favored in this game by 11.5 points. Montana State's depth chart dropped. Tucker Rovig is the starter this week. He came to the media yesterday, talked about exactly that. To me, though, it's strength versus weakness on both sides of this thing. Case Cookus throws the ball down the field better than any player in the country. He's taken 49 shots down the field so far this year, about 12 per game. Northern Arizona's drawing three pass interference flags per game. So when he's when Cookus is not hitting him, which he is hitting him at a high cliff, like you said, he's in the top six in the country in overall two. passing yards. Yeah, two. Number two in the country overall passing yards. When he, when he is hitting them, they're having a lot of success. When he's not, they're still getting first downs because of their ability to draw contact, his ability to put it on the spot. As Montese head coach Jeff Choate said, his ability to press the boundary with with his eyes, with his arm, all of it. Montana State's banged up at corner. Tyrell Thomas does not seem 100% to me. He's really been struggling. Damian Washington is a savvy senior who doesn't run that well. He is a great zone corner. That works against Southeast Missouri State. That works against Western Illinois. That does not work against Northern Arizona. You've got to have somebody that can run down the field with NAU's super fast receivers. Ty Okada still out. He's a, a versatile guy. He's their starting nickelback. 
Munchie Filer, their number one press corner, probably the number one man-to-man corner in the big sky. He remains out. So Why don't they just play Troy Anderson at corner? <laughs> They're playing Troy Anderson at nickel sometimes. <laughs> they are. That's a real thing. Uh, but that's the other factor here is the status of Isaiah Infante, Montana State starting running back, and Troy Anderson. They're do everything, quarterback, running back, linebacker, whatever you want to call him. He's the best player in the league. He's the best player on their team. What's his status? He did not play last week. He's not been fully healthy since about October of last year after you know breaking his hand, hurting his ankle, hurting his knee, having shoulder surgery in the offseason, coming back, turning his ankle again this year. I mean, he's just been banged up relentlessly. What's his status? But then you look at strength versus weakness on the other side as well. I'm so interested to see what Chris Ball's scheme looks like defensively because in the past, Montana State's gap scheme stuff in their run game has gashed Northern Arizona. Even when they were in the midst of struggling to find a solution at quarterback and Chris Murray was their guy in 2017, they went down to Flagstaff and ran for more than 400 yards. They ended up losing that game on a missed two-point conversion, 37-36. That's the last time these two teams played. But I'm interested to see just basically the alignment of NAU's defense catered to Montana State be able to run the ball with authority both of the last two times they played when it's Jeff Choate as the head coach at MSU. So we'll see how that matchup goes, too. To me, the Cats got to be able to get pressure on Case Cookus. If they do, that could mitigate a lot of this stuff. And on the other side, NAU's got to be able to stop the run game because that's where Montana State's going to go early and often. Uh, I honestly think that because Case Cookus has so much confidence and because he can throw the ball down the field so well and Montana State is so short-handed at cornerback and the guys that have been playing have just not looked that great unless the scheme caters to them, all that has me thinking I want to pick NAU to cover this spread. I think any big number. It's the biggest number on the board I, in the Big Sky. I Conference. think that Northern Arizona will be in the in this game all the way down to the end because of Case Cookus. The only hesitation I have on that is this: you talked about the cornerback situation. You reference this in passing, but it is real. Bryce Sterk leads the nation in sacks, and that front seven is the real deal for the Montana State Bobcats. They also hammered what was then the number twelve team in the nation, Southeast Missouri State, at home. I mean, they just. They just took him behind the woodshed. Now, it's a different type of matchup for sure, especially when you talk about Case Cook is leading the way with this football team. But Montana State at home has been really good this season, and uh, I think it's it's a statement type of game. And not even a statement game, but it's an opportunity in conference play to open up and kind of lay the foundation for what you are and what you think you want to be. My, my tendency... For sure. I mean, Northern Arizona is an upper-tier team in the league because of their reputation of success the last... Right. 20 years, even though they've only made the playoffs four times, that's four more times than almost everybody else in the league with the exception of Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington. Jeff Choate does not have a win of the quality of Northern Arizona on his resume with the exception of beating Montana three years in a row when it comes to league games. It is a huge game for Montana State. It is a proven game for Montana State. The other thing, the over-under in this uh, game, 67.5, so another big number. They're expecting a lot of points to be scored. This game feels so weird for me. I mean, in terms of picking it, I just, I, my, the the Montana State uh, defense coupled with their in, stability uh, at quarterback says that this is going to be a lower scoring game to me than 67 even though you do have Case Cook and you do have an elite run game uh, for Montana State I would probably go under the number 67 and a half on the over under and I am so torn man on what to do because I could see Montana State winning this thing by three touchdowns and I could also see Montana State winning this thing by three points I do think Montana State wins this football game but it's uh, it's an open conversation right now about how this is going to go. Let me see if this influences you. This is real-time reporting. This is coming to you at 12.55 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon. 
September 25th. Lance Hartzer, who covers Northern Arizona for the Arizona Daily Sun in Flagstaff, reporting that Jalen Gross has been removed from the NAU roster. Jalen Gross, hands down, Northern Arizona's best defensive player. He's he's probably the best interior defensive lineman in the conference. He was a 13 ball league guy last year, but a lot of the guys that, are, that were at that position graduated. And he's one of, if not the best interior defensive lineman in the country or in the conference. And given Montana State's prevalence of running the football, you wonder if that's a fact. No official word from NAU yet. He just has been removed from the roster. So we'll keep you updated on that as this thing progresses. Check it out on Twitter at Skyline Sports MT, or you can get it at Gus Tutel. But that could be an influential deal in this thing. I still don't think, though, that that helps Montana State guard the downfield passing. I think the Cats are going to win this game at home. But I just think they're going to have a hard time covering that. Minus 11 and a half. I'm going to take NAU to cover. The University of Montana is headed to UC Davis. UC Davis, the number four team in the nation. Montana, the number 18 team in the nation. This is the biggest Big Sky Conference matchup. Weber State Northern Iowa is the biggest national matchup in terms of the national powers, but that's not a conference game. So within the Big Sky Conference, certainly this game is the biggest one. Uh, The Grizzlies, hashtag RTD, the Marsh return to dominance for uh, Montana with Bobby Houck in his second, ninth year uh, as the head coach. He was the head coach for the Grizzlies for seven years back now in his second stint in his second year. Montana has looked really, really good to me. Uh, Dalton Snead, just an outstanding dual-threat quarterback. He is the, He's number seven in the country in passing yards to say nothing of what he can do with his legs. You and I uh, you know, cover Montana pretty closely uh, since we are uh, here in Missoula, both Montana schools, but Montana and then UC Davis is a team that we have absolutely been all over and what, uh, what Dan Hawkins is doing at his alma mater in Davis, California and really building that thing into something special. They're an outstanding Standing football team, UC Davis at home, number four team in the nation, a seven-point favorite over the University of Montana. Can Montana manufacture pressure on Jake Mayer without having to blitz too prevalently? That's the question in this game. Montana blitzed last week against Monmouth, and Kenji Bahar shredded him. 393 yards. For almost 400 yards. Jake Mayer will eat you alive, and they're going to have a lot of stuff ready for that too. Jake Mayer told us last year after the Montana game when Montana blew a 21-3 lead in a 49-21 loss. UC Davis scored 46 points in the final 16 and a half minutes of that game. It was one of the craziest things I've ever watched in my life. Montana was shell-shocked. But by by the fourth touchdown, we looked at each other and said, it shouldn't even be possible to have this many possessions in this amount of time in a game, let alone to score on every one of them and then have the other team turn the ball over so swiftly and score again. Washington Grizzly Stadium emptied out, and I've never seen that place completely ghost town with multiple minutes left on the clock when the Grizz are the ones that are losing. It was a completely unlikely result, but Jake Mayer told us it took us three quarters to figure out Montana's defense. Once we did, that's what happened. I don't expect, obviously, UC Davis to average 46 points per quarter against Montana's defense. Probably not. But... Yeah, there's going to be some real chess match going on here because Montana's going to throw stuff at UC Davis that they've never seen before. But UC Davis is going to have some stuff up their sleeves that Montana's never seen before either. Can the Grizz get pressure on on Mayer without having to blitz too much? That's the hugest key for me. The the area, I think, uh, that, that Montana does match up, relatively speaking, to UC Davis – Defensively, is that they their base scheme is a three three five. They play five defensive backs in their normal standard set, including three safeties who are all very good players. Starting with number seventeen, Robbie Houck, the son of uh, head coach Bobby Houck. They also 
are you know elite at the linebacker spot with Dante Olson and Jace Lewis, also a very, very good player. And their defensive line is much improved, anchored by Jesse Sims, who's having his best season by far. And so I am. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup because it's the best offense in the Big Sky Conference. They're going to score points, but I think just schematically and what Montana does, they are probably as well-billed as anybody maybe outside of Weber State to try and deal with Jake Mayer in this offense, but it is going to come down to a coaching game. You're going to have – these are two of the best sets of coaches in the Big Sky Conference, which you got at Davis and what you got at the University of Montana, and I think that ultimately is going to rule the day. Where you at, you see Davis, a seven-point home favorite. I got Montana win this game straight up. And I, th- I, think, I, think, I think it's – even the, the analysis I just gave is only part of it. The other part is I think Davis – Completely shot their wad last week defensively against North Dakota State from an effort standpoint. I'm not saying they're not going to give good effort, but I'm saying they might be a little bit drained from a week ago, and it's a completely different transition when you go from NDSU's ground and pound to what Montana's running now, which is, don't look now, (laughs) nobody thought Bobby Houck would ever be doing it, but they're running a quick quick hitting spread with all sorts of West Coast offense principles in it. Inside zone's about the only real run stuff that they do. Other than that, it's... Get it on the perimeter fast. Get it to your playmakers. Throw the quick slant. You know, run some of the tight end stretch stuff over the middle. I just think that Montana has so many offensive weapons that this game is going to come down to who doesn't turn the ball over because I think it's going to be a shootout. I think Montana wins this game in a shootout. So I picked the Grizz not only to cover but to win. Uh, the over-under of this game, 59. I take you're taking above on that. Oh, yeah, I'm taking the over on that, too. I probably would have put the over-under on this around 70. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the over-59. I think the world of this UC Davis team, man, and I think Dan Hawkins, the way he goes about it, is is about as good as you can get. I think there's a retribution factor that's going to be here. Bobby Houck is going to be uh, reminding this team of exactly what happened to them in 12 and a half minutes in Washington Grizzly Stadium last year. I think that's a big deal. I just think, though, that there's some proximity bias on this, and I just don't think every anybody appreciates how good UC Davis really is. I'm going to take Davis to cover that number, win by 10 in this football game. I think Montana, as good as they are, and they are really, really good, I think they're better than their number 18 ranking. I don't think that they're nationally elite. And winning this game is a nationally elite type of win on the road against the number four team in the nation. Uh, And maybe I'm wrong. I I could be wrong about that. But I think that there's still work to be done in terms of the coming all the way back. I think there's there's still question marks uh, at a couple of uh, uh, position groups for the Montana Grizzlies. And I also think... UC Davis, if they're going to do it, this is the time. I mean, they are. They have, you know, maybe the best quarterback and certainly the most cerebral quarterback in the in the conference, and the most veteran team in the Big Sky Conference coming back with what Dan Hawkins is putting together. I think this is an opportunity for them to cement themselves as a top five team in the nation. Uh, they've had some question marks too already this season. Uh, barely a three point win over South Dakota, but they played Cal really tough and and. At home, I think that there's uh, uh, something to that for UC Davis as well. So I got Davis winning this football game. So I owe you $20 worth of drinks for the Vikings-Packers yes, you do. game. We bet on something else that included lunch I can't associated remember. with it. What was it? I don't know. I'm lost. I've, 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 I've forgotten what that was. Who did better against the spread last week? That's what it was. I'll have to take a look. Okay. Well, regardless, I probably owe you $20 worth of drinks and lunch. Okay. But let's make a separate bet. I got the Grizz straight up. You got Davis covering. No. You're not betting on it? No. Why? It's a betting podcast. I'm not betting on this because I, I don't feel good about it. 
It's my pick. <laughs> but I, I have I have very low uh like I don't feel strongly about it. Like I could see Montana winning this game by 15 20 points potentially. Right. And I could see UC Davis winning this game by 10. But you see, which Davis, brings us full circle to why the big sky is so hard to pick lines yes, on. Very hard because I could see so many of these teams winning these games by if if Eastern Washington beat North Dakota 49-14, it would not surprise me one bit. And right. if North Dakota won, it would not surprise me either. Exactly, and that's why uh, there are games that I do feel strongly about, but this is not one of them because I think these are two really good teams, and it's so much of this is going to come down to coaching, man. So I I just am. I, right. I'm not prepared to sit here and back up my talk with anything of All substance. Right. All right, you got you got no bet on that game, so give me your lock of the week. My lock of the week is Portland State to cover. Portland State's plus four at Idaho State. My lock of the week is Portland State. My lock of the week is Portland State, Idaho State going over the 47. Very good. Okay, so there's the Big Sky Conference picks. We also have uh, a couple of FCS national picks that are not Big Sky Conference teams. We're just going to run through these real quick. Uh, and then we will do uh, some some FBS picks that are going to be lightning quick as well. Maine Villanova. This is a uh, a top thirteen matchup. Maine a seven point underdog at undefeated Villanova. Uh, Villanova again seven point favorite and a fifty five and a half point over the over under. Maine has turned the ball over. They're minus six in the turnover margin. Villanova undefeated. Villanova has covered every game this year. I like Villanova to win and to cover. I'll lay the seven. Strength versus strength, Maine is going to be the meanest defensive front seven in maybe the country, with the exception of probably North Dakota State and maybe Montana State, if Montana State's linebackers can raise the level of play. But Maine's front seven, it's like their coach always says, we're looking for a backyard brawl. We want to fight you in the parking lot. Bring it on. But Villanova has run the ball as well as anybody in the country, led by Justin Covington. He leads the nation in rushing yards. So strength versus strength. But Villanova, like I said earlier, I think has the most impressive resume right now in FCS football in terms of the quality of their FCS wins. They're red hot. They're 4-0. I'm picking Villanova as well. Kennesaw State playing down against Reinhardt, which is an NAIA school, but... They were in the NAI national title game in 2017. They are a 32-point favorite, Kennesaw State is, over Reinhardt, which, again, I mean, it's an NAI school, so, you know, make that what it is. I don't know how you pick a 32-point spread. I'll tell you You take this. the favorite, that's how. If it's a 32-point spread and the over-under is 44-and-a-half, you take the over. Yes. And so uh, I'm going to take the over there, and I guess you take the favorite. Right, so Kennesaw State to cover it up, yep. Reinhardt. Best of luck to you. Hope your uh, you know forty thousand dollar payday is is useful to you. I'm on the same page as you. You skipped one here because you turned the page too fast. I got Ave Maria at Jacksonville. No use analyzing it because I don't think anybody could tell you anything about any of this. Ave Maria, never heard of them. Founded by a Catholic philanthropist and the former owner of Domino's Pizza in 1998. What a deal. They somehow have football. <laughs> Jacksonville, not to be confused with Jacksonville State, is a private school. In the Pioneer League, so non-scholarship. Jacksonville's an uh, 11-point favorite. I guess I'll take Jacksonville. I actually thought it was 1235 Avenue, Maria, and then that was going to be the city and state. I thought it was an address. <laughs> I did not realize that Ave Maria was a, uh, a school. I, I mean, come on. 13 and a half points? I don't know. No clue. No one knows though. You you just got more an analysis on that game you, there, there, than there is it. in the world. It's the only thing that exists on this game on Earth. You're welcome. Nice. Pick Jacksonville. Take the money and run. Okay, and now because our producer cares about bowl games, David Graff, shout out. 
David, get in here and tell us about these. Uh, what games at the FBS level we're picking against the spread. Ryan, beautiful introduction. Really happy to be doing the Lord's work with you guys as we provide football bettors with more information to bet on more football games each week. Now let's dive into the three FBS games that you're going to be picking each week rapid fire. We have a special Friday night edition of Pac-12 After Dark. Arizona State travels to Berkeley to take on the ranked Cal Bears. They're five-point underdogs. Who do you got? I got Cal minus five. They're in the top 25, Arizona State. Sorry, dude. Are you all in the bottom? Stank, stank, stunk. Actually, they don't. They're pretty good. I still got Cal. Uh, I do, too. I think that Arizona State, they like to throw the ball around a little bit. But Cal, I think, has improved on the back end as much as any team in the West. Huge credit to Gerald Alexander for that, former Boise State defensive back who played for the Detroit Lions for several years. Career ended early. Got into college coaching, first at Montana State, just for one brief season. Been on Justin Wilcox's staff at Cal since then. They recruited California's defensive backs, their rich crop of defensive backs, better than anybody, and they've taken a huge jump on the back end. That's going to give them an advantage in the Pac-12. That's a huge uh, key for them. I'm taking Cal minus five as well. And by the way, I was only smack-talking David about the Arizona State thing. They're actually pretty good, but they're, they're, Cal is better, I think. You two are breaking my heart. Don't ever doubt the fighting Hermes, guys. Don't do it. I digress. We move on. College game day travels to Lincoln, Nebraska, where Justin Fields and the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to take on the Scott Frost-led Cornhuskers. Where are we leaning? I got Ohio State minus seventeen and a half. What's Nebraska done? Okay, I mean, get. I mean, okay, it's that. It's there. Everybody thinks that because College Game Day is there, that all of a sudden there's going to be some mystical thing happening in the All Blacks or whatever. The black. What is it? What is there? The, the black shirts. The black shirts are coming back. No, Ohio State. You know what's weird is when Michigan is bad. All of a sudden, it just makes me believe that Ohio State is even going to be that much better. Ryan Day, year one, no Urban Meyer. They just keep rolling. I got Ohio State winning this thing by fifty. It's pretty <laughs> 50. I don't know about that. It's pretty hard to pick against the true, true blue blood elite programs at this point. Because, yes. I mean, like you said, Ryan Day, Urban Meyer, it don't matter. Ohio State's dudes are just better. They got all the dudes. Them, Clemson, and Alabama got all the guys. Georgia, they got just better talent than everybody. Justin Fields threw six touchdowns in one quarter last week, which is an absurd stat for Ohio State. Dumb. He looks like the next great dual threat quarterback that Ohio State just keeps rolling him out and he just seems like the next one in line but Nebraska Adrian Martinez is an incredibly talented player and Nebraska actually looks like they're finally starting to claw their way back it's still hard to pick Ohio State to not cover I got the Bucks covering as well you never know what can happen on a wild Saturday in Lincoln Nebraska Nebraska is so flat it's easy to forget you've been there last FBS game we'll dive into really quickly USC travels to Seattle, two ranked teams, Washington versus USC. The Huskies are nine and a half point favorites. Where should you put your action? USC, the upset over Pac-12 favorite Utah last week, this week. It's turd land time for the Trojans. Give me Washington to cover nine and a half point spread in Seattle. The Dogs are a good football team. USC is a uh, pretender at best. Too much question, too many questions at quarterback for USC and the seat ebbs and flows and, and how AD hot it actually is. And but it's, president. it's still, yeah, USC's in a state of disarray from top to bottom. I, I got the Huskies covering as well. Boys and girls, thanks for listening to the first ever episode of FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. Coulter and I will be with you again next week, and we'll go through next week's games as well. Enjoy.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 